0: Welcome to the Patricia King Podcast. We are going to build the kingdom of God in this hour. Jesus is sitting on the cloud. I believe that we are in the end-time harvest season. But we're going to do exactly what he told us to do. We're going to disciple nations. Amen? The, The message I have for you this morning, I've entitled, Storm Warning. And I want you to think about that. I believe God has issued a storm warning. Um, if, if you had a chance this week to watch the Heroes Arise episode that I did, it, I, let me put it this way. If you didn't get a chance to watch the Heroes Arise episode I did this week called God's Tone Has Changed, I highly encourage you to go to my YouTube channel and watch that show because a, a lot of the, the the revelation and the encouragement, empowerment in that episode will parallel really nicely with what we're doing today because God ha- God's tone has changed. And I believe the reasons God's tone has changed is because he wants to get our attention. That's the, that's the point of a warning. When a storm warning is issued, it's not, hey, a storm's coming, so you know lay down and give up. No, the whole reason when you get a storm warning, when I was a kid, we'd go to the shore for the summer and we'd, we'd go to Cape Cod, we'd go to Cape May, we'd go to Barnegat Light. Um, when I was really little, it was Cape Cod. Then when I was a little older, it was Cape May. Then I was a little older than that, it was, it was Barnegat Light. And you know, sometimes hurricanes would come. I can remember being on Cape Cod as a little kid and the hurricane warning came. And the hurricane warning didn't come for, you know, lay down, give up, it's over. The hurricane warning came so we could prepare, so that we would survive and even thrive, so that nothing would be damaged, so that everything would get through the storm. And that's the purpose of a storm warning. It's to make you aware, it's to get your attention so that you can prepare, so that you will not be damaged. And the issue of the storm coming against our country, I believe it's also so that We'll stand up in our authority and deal with things. So the storm warning is not, ah, a storm. The storm warning is, I want to get your attention, God's saying because I've got a great opportunity for you in this. The other great thing about a storm warning is when it comes, you look around and all of a sudden you realize, hey, there's some things I need to take care of that I probably didn't need to take care of in a different season, you know? And that's one of the reasons God's God's tone has changed. He's getting our attention for a lot of purposes. One is because we have entered a new season and so there's things that need to be taken care of. Like when we were at the shore, this never happened, but let's say, you know, the first several weeks it was just sunny and beautiful and but there were holes in the roof of the the cottage where we stayed that never happened but let's say there were holes in the roof we wouldn't maybe we didn't have to pay any attention to in the first few weeks because it's just sunny and it's warm and who cares that there's some holes in the roof but if a hurricane warning comes and you look up and you realize you know I probably need to get around to doing something about those holes in the roof because some wind and some rain is coming. Actually, a lot of wind and rain is coming. And if I don't do anything about that, this place is gonna get wrecked. So you get up on the roof, you fix the roof. You put the panels over the windows, you prepare. This is why God has issued a storm warning. It is not to create fear. It is not to create panic. It is to make us aware, not just of what's happening, but even more, God wants to make us aware that there is an opportunity for us in the storm. Because whatever is meant for harm, God will turn to the good. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to open your Bibles to Mark 6. We're going to be in in Mark 6, 45 through 53. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I think, yeah, Ben's putting it up for us. Um, Because right here, we're going to see in the gospel of Mark, that Jesus was mentoring the disciples, which is you and me now, that there's always an opportunity in the storm for us to step into something. Storms may try to buffet, storms may try to destroy, but when we know God is with us, what he's blessed us with, what he's called us to, we can not just stand up in the storm, we can stand against the storm and see it bow. So here we are in Mark 6 starting in verse 45. After everyone had their meal, Jesus instructed his disciples to get back into the boat. And he instructed them, go on ahead of him and sail to the other side to Bethsaida. So he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples, then slipped away to pray on the mountain. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. The wind was against the disciples, and he could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the surface of the water, and he started to pass them by. I like in the uh, New Living, I think it is, it says he intended to pass them by. We'll circle back to that in just a minute. He started to pass them by. When they all saw him walking on the waves, they thought he was a ghost and screamed out in terror. But he said to them at once, don't yield to fear have courage. It's really me. I am. Then he came closer and climbed into the boat with them and immediately the stormy wind became still. They were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. They made landfall at Gennesaret and anchored there. So there's a lot to unpack here. Let's go through this because there's a lot of wisdom in this and we're gonna see our opportunity in this. First of all, what I want you to see is this all starts with after everyone had had their meal. So, you know, the work was done, they'd had their meal, they're comfortable, and that's key. When they were comfortable, this opportunity comes. And Jesus instructs his disciples to get back into the boat, and he says, go on to the other side, go to Bethsaida. So they have the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is... Get in the boat, you're going to the other side. So they do. And what's really fascinating here is it says he dispersed the crowd, said goodbye to his disciples. Then he, Jesus, slips away to pray on the mountain. Why is this important? Because two chapters before, Jesus was mentoring in a similar way. In Mark 4, there's another trip in another boat with another storm. Now in this this story, Jesus gets in the boat with them and they go over. They have the word of the Lord. They're going to the other side. There's things to do there to accomplish for the kingdom. There's opportunity for the kingdom on the other side. They're going. Jesus is in the boat with them in this story. He's so certain of the word of the Lord that he's actually sleeping in the boat. Even though a wind comes, a violent wind, a violent storm, so much so that waves are crashing over the bow of the boat, filling the boat with water. Jesus is asleep. The disciples come running to Jesus and say, master, master, rabbi, rabbi, teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The disciples kind of give in to the, the drama queen anointing. They start freaking out. And they're like, don't you care about this storm and about us? Jesus stands up. Yeah, okay, guys, I just want to remind you, we got the word of the Lord, storm, be still. And they go to the other side. And then he turns to them and says, O ye of little faith. Now, I want to point out, they had faith in Jesus. They came running to Jesus. When the storm hit and they were in trouble, the first thing they did was run to Jesus and say, help. So Jesus wasn't saying, do you not have faith in me yet? I believe what Jesus was saying is, do you not have faith that you can do what I've told you you can do and what I've been mentoring in? You Do, do you not yet have faith that when I taught you, our Father who is in heaven holy be his name, that what the Father does in me, with me, and through me, because of me, because I have discipled you, because you have believed and I am discipling you, you can do this. Do you not believe you can speak to storms? You can. So there he is, one trip, he's in the boat with them. Now on this trip, he's saying, Here's the word of the Lord. You're going to the other side. We've done this before. We have history. We have testimony. I've been teaching you. I am so confident in you embracing this opportunity. I'm going to put you out by yourself. I'm not even going to go with you. I don't need to. You got this. So he sends them in the boat to the other side. He goes up to pray. He's so certain you got this. He goes up to pray. When he does, he sees. Well, here's the other thing I want to point out. I used to think about this as Jesus was up praying to the Father, communing with the Father, which of course he was. But it's very intentional. It says he's praying. What I have come to believe, what I believe Holy Spirit has highlighted to me very recently, which will speak to the season we're in as a church, is I think part of the reason Jesus went up the mountain to pray was because he wanted to give them the opportunity to handle this on their own. I think he was praying for them. I think he was praying, you know, what, what did he say to Matthew at one time when he says, you know, um, uh, uh, or, or to Peter, Satan is gonna try to sift you like wheat, but fear not, for I have prayed that your faith will not fail. Jesus is always interceding on our behalf that even in the midst of a storm, even in the midst of Satan trying to sift us, Jesus is praying is inter- interceding. So we will not only be aware of the attack or the storm, but we'll be aware of our ability in him with him and for him to stand up in it and to speak to it. So I believe Jesus is going up and praying for them, praying that they'll step into it this time, that they'll grab hold of the opportunity. And he gives them all night to do this. So they're straining at the oars. Now here's what's key. When they hit that storm, they still had the word of the Lord. When they hit that storm, the word of the Lord was still true. We need to see that. They start straining at the oars when the the wind is hitting and, and the waves are buffeting. But I don't believe they're straining at the oars because the storm is so horrible. I believe they're straining because of the severity of the storm, they are letting go of the promise and they start to freak out, they start to panic. So Jesus does what he always does he comes out to be with us. He's always there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Now there are times it feels like perhaps he's removed himself from the situation, but he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's simply interceding for us so that we can step out into the opportunity that is before us. So the wind was against the disciples and Jesus could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. When it was almost morning, so he gives them all night. Do you notice how it says, as night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water. So anything that looks or feels like a delay of God moving is not that God's not there. It's not that God does not care. It's not that God is delaying. God is right there with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is simply giving us an opportunity in him, with him, and for him to step up and step out, and deal with what's going on in front of us. So he gives them all night. When it was almost morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the surface of the water as he started to pass them by, or as he intends to pass them by. Now, isn't it interesting what Jesus does? So they're straining at the oars, why? They're freaking out about the storm, why? Because they're forgetting that they have the word of the Lord and it's certain. And now they're wrestling against their temporary circumstances as opposed to being fortified by the eternal truth of the word of God. So what does Jesus do? Jesus walks out on the water. Now think about this. It's a storm. There's wind, there's waves. It's big swells, it's big chops. But Jesus is walking out, he's doing, Doing two things. One, he's putting on display that the kingdom of God, the supernatural kingdom of God always has authority over the natural realm. He's walking on this water. It doesn't matter how stormy it is. It doesn't matter how windy it is. The kingdom of God is greater. The other thing he's doing is he's literally putting on display that all of this is under his feet, he stands in authority over all of it. He is walking on the waves, standing in authority, literally showing us that all of it is under his feet. Let me catch up to my place here. He intends to pass them by, or it says in this translation, it says begins to pass them by. Why? Why is he doing all of this and passing them by or intending to or starting to? Because again, he's mentoring. He's putting on display. He is highlighting to them. He's giving them a storm warning. Not that there's a storm. They're very aware there's a storm. He's getting their attention that, hey, you guys got this. Hey, there's an opportunity for you in this. Hey, I want you to step, see me? Look at me, look at the authority I have over this. It's not just for me, it's for you. Because of in me, you have relationship with my father. He is showing them, he intends to pass them by because he's intending for them to grab hold of it. Like he mentored when he was in the boat and directly showed them, now he's giving them the opportunity on their own to stand up and speak to that storm and tell it to be still. They don't. So what does Jesus do? Well, let's start with what he doesn't do. He doesn't go, done. I've had it with you mooks no matter what I do, you don't get it. I'm there with you. I teach you. I mentor you. I give you opportunities. I pray for you. I've had it up to here with you guys. I'm done. No, the exact opposite. He actually comes near to them and gives them keys on how to overcome. He gives them four keys. I keep losing my place. Sorry. So in Mark 6:49 we see that they don't get it. They don't step out into it. But in Mark 6:50 we see Jesus comes near to them and he's teaching and mentoring. He gives them keys for how not to be tossed about in a storm, how not to wrestle with temporary circumstances, but how to arise in a kingdom opportunity. The first thing he says to them is don't yield to fear. This is key. The enemy will always try to intimidate us. The enemy will always point and highlight our temporary circumstances to try to get us to doubt eternal truth. The enemy's goal is always Romans 1.25, where Romans 1.25 says, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Now we read that and think, oh, I'd never do that. I'd never exchange the truth that Jesus is my savior. No, I get that. But All too often, like the disciples, when the enemy highlights our temporary circumstances to get us to doubt our eternal portion or the eternal truth of God's word, all of a sudden we start looking around and going, well, maybe God didn't mean it for me. Maybe he just meant it for Patricia and Francisco and Desiree. You know, they're really good Christians. You know, I wrestle with times. I get irritated in traffic. Maybe it's not for me. Strain, strain." I'm not going to stand up against this storm because you know maybe, maybe I deserve it or, or maybe God's mad at it. You know, God's probably just mad at me. The storm's coming because He's mad at me because I failed. No. The storm is coming because we have an opportunity in it. God is always large. He's always in charge. He's always sovereign. He's always majestic. He may not author the storm, but he allows the storm. Why? So he can be interceding for us. And in him, we will stand up in the storm and we will inhabit our dominion authority in the earth. But the first thing we need to do is not yield to fear. Notice he doesn't just say, hey, don't be afraid. He says, don't yield to fear. The enemy will come at you with The enemy will try to get you to be afraid. The enemy will try to get you to think, ah, my current circumstances, my past difficulties, they're an indication of what I'll always have. Over on this side of the lake, it all seems so good. God, you said we're going to the other side, and you know, for a little while it was fun, and we were having a picnic in the boat, and the rowing was easy, but then there was resistance. Then there was wind. Then there was waves. Oh my gosh, maybe the word isn't true. Maybe he forgot about us up on that mountain. no, We can't give in to fear. We can't yield to fear. Here's something I learn over and over and over again, because just like you, I have to remember when things get really challenging not to yield to fear. I am no super Christian. I am just like everybody else. You know, I have my days where I wrestle, but one of the things I do as I wrestle is I've learned not to yield to fear, but to press into God. And one of the things I've learned is when fear tries to get a hold of me, or I'll be really real with you, on occasion when it does, and I realize, whoa, I'm operating in fear, I'm operating in frustration, all of a sudden I'll realize the devil just overplayed his hand. I just realized how terrified he is of me, of little old me. If he's trying this hard to intimidate me, if he's trying this hard to get me discouraged, get me despairing, get me to sit down, be quiet, he must be terrified of what I'm called to and what I'm carrying. That's really great. Lord, help me stand up. And then we plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus works. If we give in, to, if, if, if we notice anxiety or discouragement or doubt or despair or frustration or depression or anger, these are all indications that we're, we're yielding to fear. These are all part of the storm warning that God issues to make us aware because if we will not yield to fear, we can speak to this storm and that's what God wants us to do. So number one, don't yield to fear. Then he says, have courage or stand up to the enemies in his lies. Be bold. You could also say, because um, I'm pretty sure that courage is a French word that comes from the French word cour for heart. I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. I never studied French. But so I think part of what he's saying is have courage is watch over your heart. You know, make sure that you're, what does it say in, uh, is it 2 Timothy seven? We have not been given a spirit of fear, but one of love, power, and self-control. And that that last part really is the most important part because if we'll control ourself, if we'll get control of our soul, if we'll watch over our soul, if we'll be dominion stewards of the realm of our mind, our will and emotions, when fear or anxiety or discouragement or despair tries to get a hold of us and we push that away, we say, no, I will not yield to that. I will not give place to that. I have been given a spirit of love. I am loved, and in that love, I can be certain that God is right here and that his word is certain and true, and he's with me and he's for me and he's empowering me, and in that, I will take courage. I will watch over my heart, and I will actually become bolder in him because I know the only reason he's allowed something like this on my watch is because he has empowered me to deal with it. So I will take courage. I will have courage, and I will take my place of authority And then the last key he gives them is a two-parter. He says, it's me, I am. So in the midst of the storm, God wants to get our attention so that we will know that he is there. He's right there with us when he says, it's me. When he came out on the waters, the first thing they did was misunderstand and misinterpret what he was doing. They didn't even recognize it was him. They said, ah, a ghost. And Jesus is saying, no. Don't misunderstand, don't misinterpret these circumstances. I am right here, I am with you. Don't look at the storm, look at me, he's saying. And when he says, I am, we've talked about this a lot. I love that God is the great I am because there's several things in there that are really important. When God says, I am, he is declaring, I am present and I am present tense. He's not the great I was, he's not the great I will be. He's the great I am. He is always present, and he was always present tense, which means no matter how things look or feel in the moment, we can be sure that God is there, and everything about him, his character, his nature, his word is true. So when the storm kicks up, as opposed to straining in the oars and trying to accomplish something in our own strength and understanding, we go to Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, where we lean not on our own understanding or our own strength to deal with it. But we actually acknowledge God in all our ways. We trust him with all our heart, core, take courage. We trust him with all his heart and he will make our path straight. So right up to that last moment, he's saying, I'm here, I'm with you. I've mentored you, I've taught you. Remember two chapters before in the other storm where I showed you what to do. I'm right here, step out into it. And they don't. They missed the opportunity. So what does Jesus do? Well, let's go back to what he doesn't do. He doesn't wipe his hands of them and say, I'm done with you guys. He actually gets right into the boat with them and takes them over to the other side. He never gives up. He never will stop working with us. He will always work with us to get us to step into the opportunity. Jesus steps into the boat and immediately the wind stops and they went over to the other side. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll do all he can to always remind us that his word is true and it's for us and we can step out into it. But he desires that we will co-labor with him and rise up into what he has planned for us and what we are made for. He will always help highlight the opportunity in the storm and be there to help us step out into it. Think of Esther 4:14 where, you know, Book of Esther is such a key book right now because we see this woman who has achieved favor with the king and been brought into a place of royalty and influence. Why? For such a time as this. And that's the bride of Christ. That's the church. We have favor with our king and we always have that opportunity to press into him, to lean into him, because you, me, all of us that are part of his body, we were created specifically for this time to deal with this storm. You know, we've talked about it a lot. I talk it about it a lot on Heroes Arise. There's a reason when we say yes to Jesus, we don't immediately go home to heaven, which let's face it, would be much greater. Heaven's going to be awesome. But there's a reason because when we say yes to Jesus, we're not only restored to relationship with our heavenly father and all of his kingdom here in the earth through Jesus and in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're restored to the plan since day six that God would have a people in the earth that are his, that are his tribe, that are his dominion uh, uh, stewards, that are his agents of impact, that are willing to co-labor with him to see his will be done and his kingdom come. The prayer isn't, oh, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth unless things get really dodgy and then I guess forget about it. No, it's on earth as it is in heaven, period. No matter what's going on, we're here, deputized authority in relationship with our heavenly Father to to stand up in the midst of the storm. And one of the things that I, I, I remind myself all the time is these things that are going on in the world right now, they're not happening on God's watch, they're happening on my watch. There's a reason when Jesus ascended, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. His job's done. He did all, he won all, he gave all. Now he's come and filled all and all in his people. So now this is happening on our watch. Now that does not mean God's not there, God doesn't care, and he's like, whatever, man, I'm done. No, he's saying, look at me. It's a finished work at the cross. It's a tomb that's now empty. I am sitting down in all authority, ruling over everything. It's all under my feet, and you were deputized to go out and in that relationship, walk in that authority, because now in the earth, you're the body of Christ. You are made to do the works that I do and even greater works. So if this is a greater storm than you saw me deal with in Mark 4, perfect. You're perfect for it. I've prepared you for it. I've spoken to you about it. I've empowered you for it. Let's give great glory to me and bear amazing fruit for my heavenly father. Let's speak to this storm and see it bow. Now, one other quick thing I want to I talk about before we, we discuss how this directly relates to what's going on in the land right now is the last point from Mark 6 I want to talk about is why did the disciples miss the opportunity? Well, number one, it says right there um, in verse 52, because they, they were completely and utterly overwhelmed with astonishment because they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle of the loaves, and their hearts were unwilling to learn the lesson. But they did make landfall, so they still made it. Okay, so right here we see why they missed the opportunity and things we need to be wary of. Number one, they failed to learn the lesson of the miracle and loaves. So what does that mean? It means they missed the lessons in their history and past. So Jesus had already mentored them, and look, you have authority over the natural realm because you're plugged into the eternal realm of the great I am, of my heavenly Father. So you can take authority, you can multiply loaves and fishes, you can walk on water, you can do all this stuff, but they missed that lesson, or they refused to hold on to the lessons of the past and their histories, and they were unwilling to see the potential of their future. Why? Because of what we talked about, because of circumstances of their present conditions. That is why the enemy, comes against us so challengingly. I go into great detail about this in my book, Winning the Battle for Your Mind, Will and Emotions. And I don't have anywhere near the time to go into it except just touch the very top of it. But everything the enemy does is ultimately attacks our soul. It's ultimately an attack against our soul or a storm against our soul. Because the soul is the place of volition. It's where we decide what we're gonna believe, what we believe and how we'll walk it out. So whatever the enemy does, whether it's a natural storm, a political storm, a financial storm, a prodigal storm, a relationship storm, whatever it is, a health storm. What he's doing is he wants to buffet us so that we look at the difficulty of our temporary circumstance or our current circumstance, or we look at the difficulty of our history and we start to go, well, this must be my portion. Those promises must not be for me. And this is what the disciples did. They didn't look back on what Jesus had mentored them and modeled them in about how they had the ability to overcome and take authority over the natural realm. They looked at the storm and freaked out. They didn't look at Jesus walking on the water and go, oh, that's right. He's taught us on this. He's They freaked out and they actually completely missed that it was him and just thought it was a ghost and thing things just went from bad to worse. And he said, no, 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 no. I've got you and you've got this, but they missed it. So the reason this is so important is there is a storm raging in the world right now. And for all of you watching in the US, you're very aware of it, but everywhere in the world, there's a storm raging right now. There's a health storm, a pandemic. There's a political storm, there's a societal storm, there's a racial storm, there's an economic storm. We have all these storms raging in our nation. Dark powers and principalities are whipping this nation into a fervor right now. It's critical to remember for us what the, what the disciples forgot. When the storm hit, they forgot they had the word of the Lord and it was true and that it would see them to the other side. We need to remember right now the word of the Lord is true. God has spoken through his prophets over the last, I've been a Christian for coming up on what, 17? No, I, I'm for 17 and a half years. I'm, I've been a Christian for coming up on 18 years now. I've been in full time ministry for coming up on 16 years now. 17 years now and almost the whole time i've been a christian and a minister i've been hearing one prophetic declaration after another about a billion soul harvest i've been hearing words for the last several years about a great awakening coming to my nation so god has spoken that there will be a billion soul harvest do we believe him and here's something very interesting this morning as I was looking into the text, Holy Spirit, I love to do word studies. And out of the blue, I'd never done this before. Holy Spirit said, look up the meaning of their destination. They had the word of the Lord to go to the other side to Beth Saida. And when he did, I thought, well, I know Beth means house, but I don't know what Saida means. It means fish. They were being sent to the house of the fish. The fishers of men were being sent to the house of the fish. They were going over for a great harvest. So of course the enemy whipped up a storm against them. We have a word of a billion soul harvest coming to this world. Of course the enemy is going to whip up a storm against them. We must know. That word is true. We must know nothing has changed other than we now have a storm, which is dominion stewards we need to deal with. And that's not a, oh my gosh, what a burden. It's, oh my goodness, what an opportunity. We get to step out in what we've been crying out for for as long as Robert's been a Christian and probably thousands of years before that. This is a great opportunity that God is entrusting us with. It doesn't mean it's not challenging. It doesn't mean it's not difficult. It doesn't mean it's not heartbreaking at times. Actually, our compassion will help us step out into this. Our compassion will help us get to the place where we're like, no, devil, you've overplayed your hand. No further, no more. I'm speaking to the storm. It's gonna bow. It's gonna encourage us to take courage. It's gonna hearten us to take heart and to stand up and to take our place of authority boldly. So he has spoken that there will be a billion soul harvest. Do we believe him? He has spoken that a great awakening is coming. Do we believe him? He has told us that if we humble ourselves and pray, seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will heal the land. Do we believe him? That's the choice we have to make. This storm does not mean the word of the Lord isn't true. I put before you, this storm proves the word of the Lord is true and the enemy's terrified of it. And he wants us to be discouraged and despair and sit down because he knows the word of the Lord is true. He just wants us to doubt it, but we're not going to. We're gonna double down on faith. We're gonna stand up in our authority. We're gonna grab hold of him. We're gonna speak to this storm. We're gonna humble ourselves. We're gonna pray. We're gonna seek his face. We're gonna turn from our wicked ways and God will hear from heaven he will forgive the sins in this land and in the church and he will come and he will heal the land one of the things i want to i want to highlight is in that promise it says 2nd chronicles seven fourteen, which is a great scripture so many people are focusing on it because it's our battle plan for victory It's our how-to. It's what the storm warning's all about. Because remember, the storm warning isn't just, there's a storm coming, oh no! The storm warning is, hey, there's a storm coming, so you know what, fix the holes in the roof, put the covers on the shutters, take care of what you need to take care of, deal with the situation. You're going to be great. Nothing's going to be lost. Nothing's going to be harmed. And you're going to come out of this wiser and stronger because you're going to know how to deal with storms. That's what the storm warning is about. And second Chronicles seven fourteen is how we patch the roof, cover the windows and come out of this looking better than we went into it. If we humble ourselves, if those, his people those who are called by his name, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. This isn't about if Nancy Pelosi does that. This isn't about if Chuck Schumer does that. This isn't about if the, the anchor at CNN does that. This isn't about if, if Fox News does that or if the head of the education system in your neighborhood does, or in your, in your school system does that. This is if we do it. If we do it, it's certain and God will come and heal the land and a great awakening will happen and all those people that aren't in alignment with his will and his way, all of a sudden they're going to go, what must I do to know the Lord? So do we believe him or are we looking at, is she doing it? Is he doing it? What's the point if so-and-so isn't doing it? Oh, I heard that pastor down the street's not humbling himself. What's the point? Well, God's word is, if you, if I, if we humble ourselves, If we cry out and say, Lord, we need you. I remember years ago, I was going through something. I just remember the time it was super difficult, but I I honestly don't remember what it was. I remember the time it seemed huge. And the reason I bring this up is because I remember at one point, I wasn't in my prayer chair, I was actually on the floor in front of my prayer chair, on my knees, crying out and said, Lord, I desperately need you in this. And I had kind of given into the drama anointing a little bit. God, I need you in this. All of a sudden, little tiny, still small voice says, Well, aren't you glad you have me? And aren't you glad that I have you? And I remember going, yeah, I am really glad that you have me in this. I'm really glad that I have you in this. Lord, how are we going to walk this out? That's what humbling ourselves is about. If we humble ourselves, if we we pray, and I really wanna encourage you, we've got some great resources for you in regards to prayer. Number one, if you haven't gone to firewallusa.com, go as soon as you're done with this message. As soon as this service is over, go to firewallusa.com, use the join link there, and it will take you through the very quick process where you can sign up to be part of this 24-7 prayer movement, every moment of every day. We are creating prayer, uh, decrees, and declarations for the United States of America every moment of every day between now and the elections in November. We're going to make history together for Jesus. That's part of what the storm warning was about. You know, it was it started for us a couple years ago when we created the eight decrees to heal a nation. Two years ago, I think it was, and yeah, 2018 is when it was. We created the eight decrees to heal the nation, and we've been praying for the U.S. and we made another one for other nations, and people have been praying for their nations through the eight decrees for two years, and. That started things moving and got things moving. And then all of a sudden, the enemy starts to kick up bigger and bigger. So God issued his storm warning. Well, our ministry heard, our our leader, Patricia King heard, and she came up with God with a divine solution, Firewall USA. Now we're gonna step it up from eight decrees to 24 seven prayer between now and when the elections happen. We're gonna make history for Jesus. The storm warning came because God wanted to get our attention and realize these are serious times and there are serious things that need to be dealt with in this nation and around the world and then God gave the solution so we have humbled ourselves we sought him he gave the solution one of them there's many good things happening one of them is firewallusa.com go and click the join link become a part of the movement and let's make history together for Jesus we're going to be amazed how things look down the road because prayer works God promises it does do we believe him so we humble ourselves. We pray. We seek His face. We let go of distractions. We repent of our wicked ways. We, if God highlights things to us, if God's saying to you, you know what? I, 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 I that's not going to cut it in this season. That's not to make you guilty or ashamed. It's to align you even more with Him, so you can be part of His solution. So you can say, "The Prince of this world is coming, but He has nothing in me," just like Jesus said. And so then, when we've aligned, now when we've dealt with stuff on our own hearts, we can deal with things in the nation's heart. Now our identificational repentance on behalf of the sins of the nation becomes even more powerful because we don't have that in us. So God has given this promise. God has given this plan. Do we believe him? Here's one of the scriptures that I love for seasons like this. It's Romans 8:37 and I'm reading out of the New Living because, you know, again, the enemy's always gonna point to what's going on. He's gonna point to the rioting in the streets. He's gonna point to the, the division and discord and dishonor in the halls of our government. He's gonna point to the, the plots and ploys that he's releasing through media. He's gonna, he's gonna point to all the stuff that is, that is heartbreaking and discouraging. Why? Because he wants us heartbroken and discouraged. He wants us to focus on those things and go, it's just too big. I actually had a leader um, from another nation reached out to me a few weeks ago and they, the, 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 I'm gonna use the wrong pronoun just because I wanna cover and protect them and not even reveal if they're male or female. Um, but they, they reached out to me and said, hey, then they'd been in ministry, have been in ministry for, for decades and decades and decades. And they reached out to me and said, hey, I, I wanna ask you this question because you're safe. I'm afraid if I go to my peers, they might judge me because I'm really wrestling right now. Do you think it's gone too far? Do you think it's all too dark? Do you think even prayer will make a difference? And I I wrote the person back and said, I so appreciate you trusting me with this and being vulnerable with me. And I wanna encourage you. There's a reason the enemy's working so hard to discourage you and make you despair right now. It's because you have a huge role to play in this. And God's not done with you and your days are not done, but you are a Samson and you will do more energy, more energy, more damage to the kingdom of darkness in your latter days than ever before. The enemy's trying to blind you and deafen you and get you to sit down, but that will not happen for you are part of God's plan for what is about to happen. And I said, I absolutely believe without a shadow of a doubt that prayer works And that prayer can turn this because God says so in his word. God says his word never returns void. It accomplishes all that it's sent to do. God says that when we pray, angels are released to perform the word of the Lord. And there's way more. Even if God has never created another angel since Lucifer fell, we still outnumber them. What is it? Two to one. And I'm sure that God probably has been, you know, in, there's probably been a draft and many more <laughs> angels have been drafted into the Lord of hosts army of heaven, but we still outnumber them two to one. And then God even says to us that we can speak to nations and they will obey because he's made us glorious, because the Jesus, the certainty of our Lord, who declared over us in John 17:22 the very same glory the Father gave to him he gives to us that means the same revelation of the fullness of God's goodness in him and through him as his holy spirit dwells in us we have so as Jesus spoke to every work of the enemy and it was broken and bowed and defeated now we can do that even over nations not because we're glorious but because God is glorious and he's made us glorious i said that poorly not in our own glory but in the glory God has given us we can speak to nations and they will obey But there's an example of just how hard the enemy will work to get us to focus on the current circumstance. If we focus on the holes in the roof and all we do is go, man, there's a lot of holes in the roof. Oh, forget it. It's just too big a job. Well, that's what the enemy wants. If we co-labor with God, remember, Jesus is a carpenter. He's going to be really good at fixing holes in roofs. He's a really good roof doer. And yes, there are holes in the roofs of our nation right now. There's a lot of them. But Jesus has a plan and he's a really good carpenter and you are his hammer and you are his nails and you are his boards. And when we grab hold of this and we stand up against that storm and we say, no devil, you've overplayed your hand. One of the things that will help us do that is Romans eight thirty-seven. Listen to what it says in the New Living. No, I love that. It starts with this bold, no. And I think you're saying it to the, we need to speak to the devil like he's a dog. No, sit, be still. Now, I'm not, I'm not mocking or taking him lightly. He is an adversary, but we got to start treating him like the little dog that he is and just say, no. So it starts out, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming is our, victory is ours through Christ. Meditate on that scripture this week. Romans eight thirty seven. See yourself speaking to the storm, speaking to the works of the enemy going, no. Despite all these things, all these holes in the roof, all this riot, all this disrespect, all this hate, all this dishonor, all this pandemic, all this economics, all of it, despite all of it, overwhelming. We're not going to just eke out a victory. It's says overwhelming victory is ours. Say that with me. Overwhelming victory. That means we utterly, completely destroy the enemy. Woo! no, despite all these things, and they're real, and they're serious, and people are being really seriously affected by them, and we should have compassion, and we should have love, and we should have care, and we should be aware, and we should be concerned, but we can't be undone or overwhelmed. We stand up in them, and we say, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is, not might be, not could be, not I hope I will see, but is ours through Christ Jesus. If you start to feel overwhelmed, that's when we humble ourselves and say, Lord, this is bigger than me. And he's going to say, yep, it is. That's why I'm right here with you. It's not bigger than me. We humble ourselves, and then when we humble ourselves, all of a sudden we go, oh, God! Every time, every day, when I pray my hour of Firewall USA prayer, oh man! Even days when you know Yuri and I were talking last night—I'm oh, sorry, the night before last—and we were laughing because we kind of have—we've decided that um, neither of us are allowed to be overwhelmed at the same time. <laughs> so we have a—we have a—we have what we're calling our baton. That we've made an agreement that if one of us digs too deep into all of the darkness or watches too much news or hears any of the reports, the other one has to be able to say, no, I hear you. It's a lot, but the Lord. No, despite all these things. And then we'll go, yeah, yeah. And the other night was my turn. I was like, honey. I don't know, man. She said, what What happened? I said, I had the news out of the background while I was working today and I shouldn't have. And I don't remember what it was because despite whatever it was, we have overwhelming victory. And we talked and we started laughing about it. And I said, you know, I'm so excited that I get to preach this Sunday because I know God's gonna give me a message because my favorite messages to preach are the ones I needed. And then I take into my heart and they build me up and then I can release them in their substance and it will build others up. And I am telling you, despite all these things, we do have overwhelming victory. And so when I go into praying every day when I pray for Firewall USA, you know there are mornings I've gotten up and some mornings I wake up slowly, especially when I get up really early and I'll, I'll, I'll let the little thing play the news while I'm washing my face and making the coffee. And the other day when I was started, I was like, oh man, it, it's getting even worse. But I tell you what, I wasn't a couple minutes into my Firewall USA prayers. And I was like, yeah, despite all that, God's got this, we've got authority. I'm This morning I did it. I, I do the seven to 8 a.m. shift. This morning I was doing it and the, 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 the spirit of the Lord came on me. I started prophesying over regions of the nation of what they were coming into. And I am telling you, watch Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know what's going to happen specifically, but the Lord had me declaring things about an alignment move that's going to come out of Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm, I, even this morning when I was done, I'm flipping through the headlines and I'm basically seeing the headlines for Cleveland going, okay, God, this is why you're going to move there so big. Great. This is an encouragement. But I am telling you, sign up for Firewall USA. As you pray the decrees and the prayer points, you will be so encouraged and you will stand up in your authority because despite these things, overwhelming victory is ours. Okay. I need to wrap this up here's something I've been declaring all over the world, actually, thanks to Zoom. We're doing these events in schools all over the world. It's been a very productive time for us as a ministry. But I've been declaring and even prophesying that we are in an Exodus 14 moment. The church is. And I really believe this. I think this is this is a critical hour because we can have a radical effect. And you know what was going on in Exodus 14? The, the Israelites were set free. God moved powerfully. He brought them out of bondage. But then the Pharaoh and all of his army comes against them. Pharaoh kind of goes, what was I thinking? And he decides to bring everything he has against them. Now, when you read closely, you'll see that God actually stirred Pharaoh's heart to do that. And we'll get to the reason why in just a minute. God God actually stirred that storm, but there was a great opportunity in that storm. So when the Israelites who have been celebrating God and going, oh, this is great. God's amazing. He set us free. They turn around and they see Pharaoh and his army pressing down on them. And The people of Israel murmur, complain, fear, get filled with doubt, give up, basically sit down in despair and say, we were better off in bondage. So how we respond, when God issues a storm warning, it's always to get our attention to help us respond in the right way. There was a storm coming against the Israelites. It was Pharaoh and his army. It was a big storm. And if we respond like the the people of Israel did, if we murmur, complain, yield to fear, yield to doubt, give up, lay down, what does that mean? It It means a return to bondage. And you can look in Exodus 14 verses 10 through 12 to see that. But if we respond by remembering who God is and what he said and how he has empowered us, then that not only means, the result will not only be us crossing over, you can look at Exodus 14:22 to see that, but it means the enemy will be utterly and completely destroyed, and that's in Exodus 14, 22. The reason God allowed this storm to be stirred up was not so that the enemy would come against and oppress his people, but so the enemy would come and we as his people would stand up with God, for God, against the enemy, speak to the storm, speak to the situation, and the enemy would be completely, utterly, totally destroyed. So as this storm is happening in our nation, we need to watch over our hearts. We need to ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me watch over my heart. Help me watch over my thoughts. Help me watch over my words. Help me watch over my reactions because I don't want to respond with fear and doubt and despair and discouragement. And if I do, help me shake it off, Holy Spirit. And that works. You know, start to praise in that because the enemy will come and make it seem too big, too heavy for you because it is, but it's not too big and too heavy for God or you with God. So We start to praise. We put on the garment of praise to lift off the spirit of heaviness. We pray, we get in the word. We remember that Jesus is right there and he cares. We remember that he's mentored and discipled. That's what what the Lord says to Moses. Because Moses, you know, the, the people are going, oh my goodness, God, why have you allowed this and we're gonna die? It's just so awful. And Moses even cries out and basically says, God, do something. And God responds to Moses in Exodus 14 by saying, son, you do it. And he wasn't saying, I'm too busy, I don't care. He's saying, son, remember who I am. Remember the word of the Lord that I gave you in the desert at the burning bush. Remember that that word is just as true right now as it was then. It's not based on your current circumstances, it's based on the eternal I am-osity of who I am. I am always present, I am always present tense. My promises are not only yes and amen, my promises are always current and present tense, especially when it doesn't look or feel that way. So remember who I am, remember who I told you who you are, remember how I've empowered you, now take your staff and stretch it forth and speak to the situation, son. And when he does, the people cross over. If we will humble ourselves, Pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, decree, declare, partner with him, stand in our authority, watch over our hearts, say no, despite these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. He's done it. Now I'm gonna partner with him in it and I'm gonna pray for the victory which must manifest and we'll end up on the other side of this thing better than we went into it. This is an opportunity. We're gonna come out of this with a, not just a patched roof, but a new roof. We're gonna come out of this with an awakened nation if we pray. We can't sit back and say, okay, God, then do it. He did it. He's saying, this is your opportunity. I am with you. I am for you. I am as engaged as I ever have been, but you've been crying out for thousands of years for me to use you in a great and mighty way. Oh, I can't wait. Take hold of my hand. Stretch forth your hand. Speak to the situation. You'll come through this better than you went into it, and all of the enemy will be destroyed. That's what we're gonna see. In prayer several weeks ago, the Lord gave me a specific promise about this, that if we pray, and when I pray, I come into this faith place. He said, the Hamans will be hung on their own gallows, and the Goliath's head will be cut off with its own sword. And as I have prayed this, the other day he gave me a deeper insight of what that promise is. The Haman's are the, the, the things being plotted and planned in you know, the, the, the deep, dark recesses. It's the powers and principalities with all their scheming behind the scenes. Well, those Haman's are going to be hung on their own gallows. Those powers and principalities are gonna be destroyed by what they thought would destroy the people of God and his plans and purposes for our nations. That will deal with the things going on behind the scenes. And the Goliaths, they're the ones right out in front taunting and mocking. And they're marching all around with all their ungodly agendas and ungodly decrees and ungodly this and ungodly that and saying, this is my you know, secular humanism on display. Well, those powers and principalities that are stirring all that up, I had so much faith this morning as I was praying for America, I went into a place where I was praying for every single person out on the street in open rebellion. Every single person involved in Antifa, I started praying, believing God is going to cut down all the Goliaths that are the powers and principalities behind that, that what he meant for the enemy, what the enemy meant to destroy this nation and God's people, that God is well able as we pray, as we send forth his word, as the angels are released, as we wield that swift sword in the spirit by decreeing the word of God, that even the Goliaths, the ones that are causing all these people not the people themselves, but the powers and principalities behind them, their heads will be cut off. They'll be put into confusion. And some of those people who are the worst tormentors and comer againsters of the things of God will become some of our greatest souls in the next season. They will go from Saul to Paul in the next season. This is the power that we have. This is the opportunity that we have. So right there at home, do me a favor, stand to your feet. Father God, I thank you that you issued a storm warning. I thank you that you changed your tone. I thank you that you've gotten our attention. I thank you that you are reminding us who you are. You are reminding us that you are bigger than this and that you are with us and we are with you. You're reminding us that this, not to focus on the storm, but to see the opportunity in the storm to take hold of you, to take our position, to not let go of the truth of the certainty of victory in Christ Jesus, but to stand up into it, to speak to this storm, to tell it to be still, to deal with the powers and principalities behind all this, expecting not only for you to move, expecting not only a billion soul harvest, expecting not only a great awakening, but expecting the enemy to be completely, utterly, and totally destroyed. We thank you that you are highlighting there is an opportunity in this nation and all the nations around the world that the enemies that we are seeing so clearly on display, mocking and taunting in in public places, the enemy that has been scheming in dark alleys and behind the scenes to manipulate media and government and school systems, that all of those enemies, those powers and principalities, they can be destroyed if we heed your call Grab hold of your hand in this opportunity. They can be completely, utterly, and totally destroyed and never seen again in our nations. In Jesus's name, we stand as a prophetic act. In Jesus's name, we say yes. In Jesus's name, we stretch forth the truth of the finished work of the cross. In Jesus's name, we grab hold of the authority to take authority over all the power of the enemy. In Jesus's name, we will arise. In Jesus's name, we will humble ourselves. We will pray we will seek his face, we will turn from our wicked ways, and we will decree and declare in Jesus' name we will remember through the mind of Christ that the word of God is just as true right now as it was when we first heard it and got excited about it. That this is all a setup to utterly, completely destroy the enemy. The Hamans will be hung on their own gallows. The Goliath's heads will be cut off with their own sword. Jesus will be lifted up and rule and reign in this land. And where we have loosed Barabbas up until now, now we will loose Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of God, we pray it, we We declare it and we release to you a great grace to walk in it, to stand in it, and to see victory for you, your family, your neighborhood, your city, and your nation to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining Patricia today. She would love to continue to empower you in your faith journey. For more information about other Patricia King resources, events, or ministry partnership, connect with her on patriciaking.com. Also follow her on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and iTunes podcast.